Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to Off The Bench. A big good morning and welcome to Off The Bench on this Saturday morning right around Western Australia. Paul Hayes will be the 2000 NAB Rising Star winner, 2003 All-Australian and, of course, four-time Ross Glendinning medalist. A big good morning to you, Hayes. Big good morning to you, Ben Cameron, everybody listening out there. Hope it's a great Saturday for you. We've got a lot to get through over the next little while. The World Cup is rolling on. We're into round 16 of the AFL. Can you believe that? It's hard to believe, isn't it, that we're this far into the season. Once they get rolling, they just really roll on. It's exciting times. And this is about the time of the year you can start ruling a line through a few teams. And I'm going to rule one through the Sydney Swans. I was disappointed with their performance on Thursday night. They lost to Richmond the week before. But if you go through some of their big midfielders who have been struggling – Kennedy, in 2016, was averaging 31. This year, he's down to 26. Parker's down four disposals on average. Hanabry is having a nightmare season. And also Kieran Jack, who's getting towards the end. I'm prepared, Ben, to rule a line through the Sydney Swans. Mm. I don't think they can win the Premiership this year. Yeah, I'm not sure they can either. And it's another game that they've lost at the SCG. Do you Mm. think this is a group that perhaps playing on the smaller confines of the SCG doesn't suit this team? Absolutely. I think they are more suited to Etihad Stadium where they've got some quick ball movement on the outside where they can bring in a few of their midfielders. It's a different dynamic. And when you don't have those big midfielders in there that I just mentioned, not winning the contested ball, it makes them vulnerable. Buddy Franklin is getting older and older and he's still a fantastic player, but he doesn't seem to be standing up in the big moments as we speak right now for the Sydney Swans. Do you think Buddy Franklin gets to 1,000 goals? He kicked uh, his 899th Mm. goal on the weekend, so fast approaching 900. But he is 31 years of age now, so the cliff can come pretty quickly. I mean, if he only kicks 60 and then 40 the year after, he probably gets there, doesn't he? But, I mean, it is. it may well be touch and go, and he may well go well past it. I think he'll get there. I think he's still got four years of good footy. He's still got a contract that's going to pay him for another four years. He's been really good for Sydney, let's be honest. I don't think many of us thought that he would get through that nine-year contract playing the sort of footy he has. I know he's still got a few more years, but I'm confident he'll get there. He's still a player that, even if he's not at his top, he's going to kick 50 goals plus per year. Some of the off-field issues, but his great mate Cyril Rioli announced his retirement during the week, and uh, I mean, it's we're obviously all flat that Cyril's gone. I mean, it's such a beautiful part of our game for a, a ten-year period when he was running around in the AFL. Uh, firstly, what are your memories of? Cyril, how will you remember him, do you think, in 10 years? I think I'll remember him as a player that was just a natural player, that when he saw the goals, he knew how to find a goal, but he was the ultimate team man as well. So good at tapping the ball into the pathway of his teammates and he's tackling pressure. I think he's one of the very best in the competition, perhaps we've ever seen, and perhaps for the first forward player that really combined both so well with the defence.
defensive capacity, but also his ability to kick goals. I still think there was more to give from Willie Rio- sorry, from Surioli in terms of consistency. His mm. numbers aren't that great for a player that we all admire. And we went through the other night some of the players from the Hawthorne Football Club and a few people didn't have him inside the top probably six in that era of footy. Yeah, so you've got Hodge, Mitchell, Roughhead. Franklin. Franklin. I mean, Franklin wasn't there Burgoyne. for all of their success. Burgoyne. And maybe, did I mention Lewis? So where do you rank him in amongst all of that? I mean, I'm probably going Hodge, Mitchell, uh, if we're including Franklin. Franklin, uh, then probably Burgoyne, and then Cyril after that, and maybe Lewis. So Yeah, if you look at numbers, you probably rank him at the bottom. But if you look at impact, and if I was actually to choose a team, and I was starting again, I had an opportunity to draft those players, I'd probably take him in there because – there's not many players like that in the competition. The other players, I think you can replicate that if you're building a team by bringing other players in. So for impact and the inability to be able to replace that sort of player, I'd go for him in the top four. Interesting what it means for Hawthorne and their free agency pursuits as well. They are bizarrely being linked to Mitch McGovern, not Jeremy, Mitch. They may also be interested in Jeremy. We heard of uh, a big offer out of a Melbourne club. It could well be Hawthorne. Uh, And also Rory Sloan and then uh, Tom Lynch, the Gold Coast Suns' Tom Lynch. So uh, in that sense, now all of a sudden they've they've cleared Tyrone Vickery's big money off the books. They've got rid of Cyril, who you think would be on 650 to 750, and they may have uh, a little bit of extra cash to splash and maybe chase a big free agent. But they're not a team that normally does that, and that's what I've admired about Hawthorne, that when they built their success, it was about everybody taking pay cuts. But for them to then go and get somebody like a Lynch for perhaps $1.3 million, which has been spoken about, I'm not sure that's great for culture going forward. That's a watching brief. More to come here on Off the Bench. Uh, Melbourne and Fremantle and also West Coast and GWS. Hayes is tipping an upset. We'll get to all of that when we come back. You're listening to Off the Bench. You certainly are, and still to come here on Off the Bench, we'll get to the dig a little bit later on, and uh, Paul Hazelby, I dare say that little knitted number that you're wearing this morning may be in my gun for the dig. Why, my jumper? You don't like it? You said you've actually got the same (laughs) jumper at home, Ben Cameron, so what are you on about? I certainly do, and I'm not sold on it, and I've received a fair bit of flack for it, so uh, could be featuring in the dig a little bit later on. But right now, coming up later today, Paul, uh, the Fremantle Dockers take on Melbourne in Darwin later tonight, uh, 7.10 Australian Central Time. So take an hour and a half off that for the start of the game here in uh, the West. 5.40 tonight, uh, those two teams going at it. Coming back in for the Dockers, Ethan Hughes, Sean Darcy and Bradley Hill going out. Nat Fife, who injured his hammy. Ryan Nyhouse has been omitted and Hayden Ballantyne is injured as well. Can they go up there and cause an upset? I don't think so. This has got danger game written all over it for mine. From a Fremantle Dockers perspective, I think they've been hanging in to try and make the finals, and now I don't think anybody believes that they can make the finals going forward. They just about have to win every game. They lose their skipper, they lose their ruckman, and I just think this could be the round that against a Melbourne team who's been belted from pillar to post in the media. I think they're going to respond. They need a big win to get their percentage up there as well. I don't think it's going to work out favourably for the Fremantle Dockers. But the Hayden Ballantyne one, we spoke about that plenty of times throughout the week. It's coming to the end for Hayden Ballantyne. Second time this year he's now been dropped. Yeah, well, it, it says injured. So has he been dropped or is he injured? 
Well, he finished the game, from mm. what I saw. He played pretty well in the last quarter, kicked two goals. Up until that was very quiet. But I'm most excited about Sean but Darcy. Irrespective, just to finish on Hayden Ballantyne, you're right. Whether he's injured, whether he's out of the side due to form, he's out of the side, and I think the end is nigh. Yeah, when you have a trajectory down in his form like he has, there's always a player that's on the up, and at some point they cross over. And speaking of that, I think it's about to happen with Aaron Sandlands and Sean Darcy. I'm excited to see what Darcy will do over the next three weeks. I just think he performed really well at the end of last year, and he's a possession man. He actually gets a bit around the ground, Mm. brings his teammates into it. Sandlands, terrific tap ruckman. But in terms of impact around the ground, I think that's diminished in recent seasons. And I think his trajectory is going to pass Aaron Sandlands at some point in time, which means a big decision for the Fremantle Dockers. It may have already, particularly given what Fremantle are trying to do with their build and and where they're headed. I I like seeing Sean Darcy uh, in the side. Uh, moving on to the West Coast Eagles and the GWS Giants. This game to take place tomorrow afternoon. You and I will be there for all of the action, Hayes. Uh, you like GWS during the week, but I know with John Patton just injuring his knee on Thursday at training, and that's a sad story in itself, a third ACL, you might have just switched back to the West Coast Eagles. Yeah, look, I'll still go for the Giants. I still think their midfield's one of the best in the competition when they're all playing, and they are playing well as right now as a team. But it's so sad for Jonathan Patton, given he's already done his knee twice. He was just starting to get back. He's been a little bit inconsistent with his form as well. But can he get back and have a big impact in the future? That's a bit of a question mark. Let's hope he does. But Rory Lobb kicked three goals in the first quarter. They're going to need a lot out of him. But I still think against the West Coast Eagles, minus Darling, Lacroix, Kennedy, and some others, it's going to be difficult for them to win. It becomes a really important game for the West Coast Eagles. I mean, they're on the skid at the moment, having lost their last three. At the midway point of the season, I thought, well, they're clearly going to win enough games to finish in the top two. And from there, if they're that good all year, they're not losing uh, two finals at home. And that means that they're going to the grand final. Now, Now, unfortunately, or unfortunately for them at least, uh, they're a little bit back in the quagmire with teams such as Port Adelaide, Sydney and uh, Collingwood, who they're level with uh, at the start of this round. So a little bit of work to do for the West Coast Eagles. Hey, just quickly on uh, Melbourne and, and the Dockers up in Darwin. I did my first ever game of AFL footy up in Darwin. It was those two sides, Melbourne and uh, and the Dockers. And I knew Zach Dawson a little bit from uh, from working uh, at different radio stations and just having him come in studio, et cetera, et cetera. And Melbourne beat the Dockers. And Jesse Hogan, who was still a, a much younger man at that stage, kicked four goals on Zach Dawson. I saw him the next day at the, uh, at the airport. I said, oh, Zach, mate, you got scratches all up your arms. How did you, you know, it's a bit rough. He said, yeah, oh, don't worry about those. I got far worse mental scars. And then he turns to me, he said, I don't know how I got these. I wasn't near Jesse Hogan all night. <laughs> so a good man, Zach Dawson. He copped very a lot funny. of flack, but a funny man, wasn't he? A great he? teammate. I didn't mm. play with him, but everybody else speaks very highly of Zach Dawson. Just a little story from uh, across the journey. Time for us to have a little spell here on Off the Bench. When we come back, it's time for the dig. Hazer's jumper in the gun. You're listening to Off the Bench. And we're all fired up here on Off the Bench for your Saturday morning. Plenty of country footy coming up over the weekend. Paul Hayes will be you. Played a little bit of country footy. Did you play before you headed down to Perth? And then did you play again once you you finished? I did, yeah. So when I was 15, I was at boarding school, but I used to travel back on holidays and I played 
probably four league games before I got down to East Romel as a 16-year-old. And very fortunate on my first game, I went out to Mullawar. You know where Mullawar is? Yeah, I know, yep. Went out there and kicked seven goals on debut as a 15-year-old. So great memories. And my dad wouldn't let me come back on the bus with all the players because of the alcohol that they were drinking. But uh, so a what, He start. drove you home himself. He did, yep. Isn't that the uh, – I could have this wrong, but is that the home of uh, Simpson who was – Yep, Josh Simpson. Yeah, Josh Simpson who was on the Dockers list. Yep, absolutely. So I actually played Colts that day too. So I played Colts. I got tagged by Preston Wall, who's a very good player for East Romantle over time. And then I sat on the bench to start the league game and then came on and kicked seven. Kick seven? Mm. What, from a forward pocket? Forward pocket, yeah. How good is that? Paul Hazelby with terrific. a little dig to get us uh, – well, not a dig. That was the opposite of a dig. That was – A little pat on the back. Yeah. Very happy with his own work. But now we're getting stuck into the dig. The dig. Dole, before you dig, the essential first step, Paul Hazelby, downwind with the new rock on well, the dig. I've got concerns, Ben. Steve Hocking is going around trying to get all these new rule changes for next year. And also Grant Williams, who is the umpire's boss. It is farcical at the moment that we have a situation in most games where 50 metres is getting paid regularly for this protected area around the man on the mark. The 10 metre protected zone has got out of control. There is no common sense in the AFL and with the umpire's boss at the moment. I do not blame the umpires. They're just doing what they're told. But right now, on Thursday night, it happened a number of times where players are clearly trying to get out of the area. It's having no impact on the game whatsoever, there's got to be common sense in the game of AFL. And if these are the guys that are implementing new changes that are going to come in next year, I've got real concerns, Ben Cameron. You've stolen mine. Now, we don't uh, we don't work together to make sure that our, our digs don't overlap, but that was exactly what mine was going to be. It's a blight on the game at the oh, moment. It's I horrendous. Mean, even players who are running, say they're running uh, north-south along the grounds, if that makes sense, so from goalpost to goalpost, and then they veer away to get out of the area as they run by, the umpire still gives 50 metres. He can't teleport out of the area. He's in the area. He has to run to get out of there, and they still give the 50-metre penalty. It's it's shocking at the moment. And it's been going on for a number of months now. It's not that difficult to go in there, make a change of the interpretation, send an email to all the umpires and say, common sense must prevail. It is very simple. Good dig to start us off. But I've got another one. Yeah, you said I've got two digs. I'm having to go at all the recruiters around the land. They all should be sacked. Every recruiter should be sacked by the Geelong Football Club for not picking up Tim Kelly. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm just going to hold you up here because we had this chat and I said to you, I said Tim Kelly was ready to go over the last couple of years and you said he wasn't. No, I reckon the last two years He's been he ready. was, but the year before that. But what happens with the AFL recruiters is they pick out one part of the game. Mm. That's your job as an AFL club is to improve the weakness of individuals. Mm. Right now, we have the balance so wrong. I reckon 90% of draft picks, 18-year-olds, it should be 50-50. They should be picking players that are ready to go that you know, there's no doubt that they're going to step into the AFL environment. Right now, they're picking 18-year-olds who they don't know are going to get there. They've got weaknesses, yet they don't pick a 22-year-old who's got one slight weakness in his game. What is that weakness? It was his kicking early days, but he's improved His kicking's pretty good now. And there's plenty of players out there you don't need to 
to kick if you're a good player because you can give handballs or you can find a way or you can improve. And that's what an AFL club and good coaches need to back themselves in to do. So just to reiterate this and not to labour the point, but you, you coach Tim Kelly. So you believe that for a couple of years he clearly wasn't ready. Maybe when he was first eligible for the draft, he was young and still learning about life and the game. But over the last two years, and he finished second in a, a Sandover medal, you felt like he is ready to go and. I mean, I've I've felt that way for the the past three years. That how he's gone unpicked for a couple of years was absolutely beyond me. I would have taken him as an eighteen year old because he came through that year, and there was players that were picked ahead of him that he was better than. But what happened in his eighteen year old year? He got injured in the back half of the season, and attitudinally, he wasn't great when he did get that injury. So I think that cost him. He came back. I then coached him at South Fremantle. He could only kick the ball about forty meters, and that was the knock on him. He had this style of kicking that would only go forty metres and it would veer off late which wasn't conducive Mm. to what the AFL clubs want but he improved that over the next two years to now he nailed that goal from 50 metres. Yeah he nailed that kick last night. More to come on off the bench right after this Paul Hazelby and myself Ben Cameron You're listening to Off the Bench Hope you're enjoying your Saturday morning Paul Hazelby and myself Ben Cameron just continuing that discussion we had uh, before we left you just moments ago. Hayes, do you think the draft age should be increased for AFL? Should it be a little bit older? No, I don't think so because there are people, are players that can make it as 18-year-olds. We've seen that this year. What I do believe should happen, Ben Cameron, is each club can only take two 18-year-olds. That means that 36 are getting picked up, which means the other 50 need to come from the older age group. And what will happen over time is a lot of those players that would normally get picked up as 18-year-olds would then go back into the development systems, the Waffle, the SNFL, the VFL, which would strengthen those competitions, and then probably get picked up as 19, 20, 21-year-olds when they're ready. What I'm seeing from my time at South Fremantle as coach is a lot of these 18-year-olds put all their eggs into that one year. And if it doesn't happen for them, they get cranky and they walk away from the sport because they think it's over. We need to create an environment that it's not over until you're perhaps 26, 27, you can no longer get drafted into the AFL. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think that makes more sense and probably is something we could do a little bit better. So uh, we'll see how that plays out over the next few years. Uh, Interesting, the World Cup rolls on. A a lot more football to come starting later tonight, 10 p.m. Sweden and England. Uh, Can England bring it home? We'll find out. Russia and Croatia is the other match to take place. Have you enjoyed it, Hayes? Do you reckon it's been a good World Cup so far? Because I've been really invested. It's been at a good time for us. I've thoroughly enjoyed sitting down at about 10 o'clock till midnight given that we work at nights predominantly and and watching the matches. Look, to be honest, it's not a sport I do invest a lot of time into. I like like watching the Aussies and certainly get involved when we're represented at the World Cup. But outside of that, I haven't seen too many of the games. I do like hearing about England being successful because they have failed on a number of occasions to live up to the expectations. This year, not many expectations, but I'm also pleased to see Croatia and Belgium, two teams that may be able to get all the way through But for me, Ben, it's not my main sport. No, it's not mine either. But there is something special uh, about the World Cup, I do think. So uh, 
that is good to see how it's rolling on. Uh, later tonight as well, Nick Kyrgios will be in action. We'll also have Dasha Gavrilova at, this is of course at Wimbledon, and uh, and also uh, uh, Ash Barty, all on court. So I do enjoy watching a little bit of Wimbledon as well. Hopefully they can continue to roll on over there. That's some of the other uh, sporting news. What about the remainder of the games? We've discussed, obviously, our West Australian teams, but we've got the Lacocious Cup, I reckon, taking place uh, later on this afternoon between the Brisbane Lions and Carlton. The loser will likely get the number one pick in the draft. Yeah, look, most people are picking Brisbane Lions here. I actually think that Carlton can upset the Brisbane Lions. I know Brisbane were terrific against the Fremantle Dockers, but sometimes when you get that win, when they've been trolling for so long to get it, you can just get ahead of yourself. And Carlton, they've been going okay. Since they were beaten by the Fremantle Dockers convincingly, they're playing some better footy. They get some key players back. I'm going to tip Carlton here with you right now. I think they're going to cause the upset of the round. Port Adelaide, they take on St Kilda. For mine, it's all about Port Adelaide. Some big injury news for St Kilda with Bruce and also Mm. Carlisle missing. Some big outs there, Ben. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, Carlisle with a punctured lung and Bruce with a broken leg, so not good. Uh, the Dogs and the Hawks, just quickly, Hayes? Everyone's tipping the B- Bulldogs to uh, put in a good performance. I think the Hawks need it because they need to make finals on the back of that win. What about North and the Suns? North Melbourne, easy. Hayes, uh, also, sorry, one more game, Essendon and Collingwood. Who do you like in that one? That's arguably the match of the round. It's going to put the Bombers back in contention for a top eight spot. I'm going to pick the Bombers. Hayes, enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll be back next Saturday morning. Thanks, Ben. Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you next Saturday morning. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.